Welcome to On the Journey Conversations, sponsored by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today I'm talking with Missy Branch, who is the Director of Graduate Life and the Assistant Dean of Students to Women at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. She's also the Vice Chair of the Board of Trustees for Lifeway. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Missy, welcome to the podcast. I am delighted to be able to talk with you today. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. We're in March. Soon we'll be celebrating Easter, and around Easter time, we as Southern Baptists take the Annie Armstrong offering for North American Missions. The theme this year is United, and I wanted to spend a few minutes talking with you about being united in diversity. That be okay? Yes, I love it. One of my favorite topics. United in diversity. We as Southern Baptists are a pretty diverse group. How do we promote unity within that diversity? You know, that's a really good question. I think first educate people on the reality that diversity is God's plan, that it is not something that we've come up with or that is on trend right now, but that unity is God's plan and diversity has always been his plan because he's made us diverse and we have no control over that. And so that is obviously something that should be embraced and be seen as beautiful. But I do think that it becomes hard when it feels like it's on trend or it feels like it's not a push from the core of who we are as Christians, mm-hmm. but more as a answer to pop culture, you know? Yeah. Well, how do we do that as Christians when, to be honest with you, most of us go to churches where people look, talk, act like us. So how, how do we get beyond that? We did a coffee talk at our school, and the thing that we really have landed on is proximity really does make a difference on pursuing and actually achieving the diversity that we say we want, and then being able to take that diversity and create unity. And what I think happens is is it's easy to be in those spaces where it's just people like me, people who think like me. But if we were to really begin to get to know people on a deeper level, even amongst our own, like in our own churches, we would even realize that there are people who have ideological differences than we do, who come from socioeconomic backgrounds that are very different than ours. And then we begin to realize, man, all this time I thought we were so much alike. And while there is commonality, we are different. And so if it's okay for us to function together in this space Mm -hmm. and be different, Why is it strange to think that someone else who is maybe two shades lighter than me or whose accent is a little thicker than mine or or different than mine, what makes me think that we couldn't also have that same unity? Because just like you at that church have found the way to relate and be common, the same thing is possible outside of our own homogeneous group. And I think as we begin to have a vision for what it means to love people that are different than us, but to not just tolerate them, but to genuinely love them. I think that's when we can really begin to take moves towards it. For me, I am very keenly aware of how much the Lord has had to cross a lot of barriers to love me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not saying that just in some self-deprecating way, but I know me, you know, and I understand that the Lord had to cross boundaries and to do big work for me to even be here in this moment with you. When we really step into the conversation with humility, 
we can begin to see just how much all of us are really at the bottom and the Lord has had to bring us up. <laughs> I recently heard a quote that trust travels along the highways of relationships. Yes. It was something like that. And I think that's what you're talking about when you're talking about proximity. When we are in relationship with one another, yes. it is a whole different story. Yes. I live in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and we've been here through the seasons where a lot of African-American men were being killed by police. And having the conversations with our brothers and sisters here who didn't understand, and one of the things that we said is that I, Missy, can't help the fact that I have to love African-American men. I have to. I'm married to them. I've given birth to them. I'm related to them. I'm surrounded by them in my community and my family. I love African-American men. But when you don't have to love that person, those type of people, then it's easy to just see them as other. And I think we need to begin to see people as people. I love people that are white. I love them. And so for me, if something happens to them, I'm not seeing them as my white friend is hurt. I'm seeing as my sister who has a problem or an issue or a need. And because that barrier of other has been removed. And so now we're just relating to each other like we love each other as sisters in Christ would. And so I do think we need to remove the barrier of other and really begin to love, genuinely love in relationship people, even the ones that are not just like us. And that's what we're called to do with yes. Scripture. You will know they are Christians by their love. For each other. Yes, yes, that's what he was talking about there. Because often I hear people teach that almost as if that love was for the people in the world. But no, they'll know that we're Christians by the way we're loving each other. But you're like me, Missy. You have a job in a Christian place. And probably much of the rest of your time you spend with your family or with your church activities. How do you get beyond your space and make those relationships with people that are different than you? You know, a good friend of mine, she told me, my mission field is Target. I was like, the store? <laughs> she said, yes. She said, if I'm in line at Target, I'm going to talk to the girl behind me. And at first I thought, oh my gosh, you're so bold. You're an extrovert. You can do that. But that was so challenging and so convicting to me because she kept saying, I live in this Christian bubble, but I know that the people around me are not all Christians. So the bubble is not as big as I like to make it. And so there's always opportunity. And there are, have been plenty of times when I've really been sure that the Lord was saying or the Spirit was nudging me to have conversations with people and it was scary or out of my comfort zone or weird or whatever. But having those conversations have been so life-giving to me. <laughs> and then also praise God for what God will do with that conversation with someone else. And so I think that it's being intentional to say, my mission field is here. I may have been able to put up the wall or my blinders and pretend like it's not, mm -hmm. but it's right here. I pump gas with people who are not believers. I walk into restaurants mm -hmm. and I'm served by people who are not believers. And my church is next door to something and across the street from something. Just being in Whole Foods, just being at Trader Joe's, just walking in the mall. As a black woman in a mostly white space, I am always looking for those places where I can get like shea butter that's super rich and smells good and all those other things. And so there's this stand in this mall not too far from us. And the guys who run the stand now know me because we come all the time. And so that becomes great gospel conversations. Well, they're not only not believers, they have never even had those kinds of conversations before. So I'm like, wow, the unique idea that I would 
travel a little further than my regular mall to go to that mall because they have this stuff I love, gave me an opportunity to mm -hmm. begin having these conversations outside of my bubble. Well, we're thinking about going outside of our racial bubble to interact with people that are different than us, but I want to camp out a little bit on going outside our Christian bubble. Mm -hmm. Because for a long time, one of my standard quotes is, we're failing to do the one thing that Jesus told us to do, that's make disciples. Yes. And we have churches full of people whose job it is to tell yeah. people about Jesus, and they will go their whole life and never share their faith. What are we gonna do about that? I feel like, and you probably feel the same way, the work that we do, as much as we need to do work in the world, of course, there's so much work that needs to be done in the church to equip people to do work in the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So having conversations with women about what it means to be Great Commission Christians. And being Great Commission Christians come from being Great Commandment Christians. You know what I'm saying? So what does that mean for you in your life? I watched a video about a gentleman who was a Muslim who became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, the thing he says, and it almost makes me want to cry every time, is he said, I was surrounded by Christians and you never told me. You said you were my friends, but you never said this to me. And the friends were like, oh, well, we didn't want to offend you. We figured mm -hmm. you'd see by living our lives and how we were a little blessed. And he said, but how could you believe this was the truth and say you love me and never tell me? And I think that is a thing also that sticks with me. Like, these people that we say we love that are in our lives that we run into, girl, I love you. Girl, you're my friend. Do we love them? Because how could we be loving them and be more afraid of their disapproval than we are of them spending their eternity in hell? But I do think a lot of training needs to come. The church needs to be trained. We need to be training people. Evangelism used to be a big deal. When I was a kid, my yes, mama was on the corner with her tracks. Yes. <laughs> She had her speech. She loved the people in her community. And so she wanted to see our community captured by the gospel. And I think we now are so not concerned with other people and so consumed with the idol of our own lives and our own time that we're not even seeing the brokenness and the need for people to not spend eternity in hell. So I do think it starts with training in the church. Yeah, I would agree with that. I heard a man one time say, come back tonight, we're gonna to tell you the best evangelism method. And he really built it up. And then when we came back that night, he said, okay, are you ready? Is it evangelism explosion? Is right. it three circles? Let me tell you what the very best one is. It's the one you use. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter what method we use. Mm -hmm. As we're talking about United and we're thinking about the season of prayer for North American missions and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, it would be very easy to say, we're going to pray for our missionaries and we're going to give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and that is our part. But North America is never going to be one to Christ if we just leave it up to our missionaries. It really is our responsibility. I read some research recently. In 1972, Southern Baptist had the highest baptism rate we ever had, and we've been on a decline since then. So it was the highest baptism rate we ever had. They did some research back then, and pretty much church members, nine out of 10, thought evangelism was their individual responsibility. 
The Great Commission is my responsibility. I am to share the gospel. Fast forward to now, that has dropped by 30 points where people believe it's the church's responsibility. So we're going to advocate our responsibility to church staff. We pay them. It's their job to tell somebody about Jesus. That's counter to the gospel. Right. And I think that we have abdicated our responsibility. The Great Commission is a command. The Lord didn't ask us, would you please consider telling Mm -hmm. other people about me? But I think we live in a culture that has allowed us to do that. And it's been easy to hide behind, well, you know, it's my truth. And I don't want to impose this on her. And I don't want to make her feel any type of way. And I don't want to, I'm going to let my life shine. But, you know, I told my daughter, because she was feeling the same way. And I said, when you go into math class, does your teacher tell you, well, let's just think about what part of this math you really jive with and how is this math making you feel? And I mean, I don't want to impose any absolutes on you. So I don't want you to feel like four plus four doesn't have to equal four if that, no, the teacher comes in saying, you don't know this. I do. I want to make sure you know it. And you will be tested. There are standards. Not only I want you to know it, but I want you to be secure in knowing it because also the next phase in your life depends on what you know now. And I think we're afraid partially because we don't really know. That is the number one reason. We are fearful. Yes, we're afraid. We don't know. We don't know God's word like we used to. Um, we're afraid of what people are going to think. Yes. And we're, go- we're afraid we're going to do it wrong. Yes. And we're afraid of actually losing relationships mm-hmm. from these types of things. But we're talking about a God who said, uh, he said, when your father and your mother forsake you, I will take you up. I think that we also don't know what it means to really sacrifice for someone else and to die to ourselves for someone else's agenda, which is what the gospel is saying. Mm-hmm. Die to yourself for a bigger and better agenda. And it's sad because I find myself having those conversations with the women on this campus that there is a better plan. We just have to, like the Lord is not even asking you to buy into it. He's asking you to see it and understand and then to walk in it. But I think there's so much fear. And I, not to sound um, old or anything like that, but I do think that there's this generation where from a certain age down, fear is just, it's so accepted. And so it's okay to be, I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid of conversations. I'm afraid of answering the phone. And we use it for an excuse. Yes. To do or not do what God asks us to do. Yes. And we will stand before the Lord. I said to my daughter, how often do you pray through your fear? How often are you praying about it? Mm -hmm. Not, I'm not even talking about just evangelism. I'm talking about just the things that you're afraid of. How often are you praying about those things? How often are you taking them to your community and saying, I'm afraid I need you to pray for me and with me and hold me up in this? You know, in Deuteronomy, it talks about pass this down. Our Christianity is a faith that has been passed Mm -hmm. down. And yet I think that we've lost it. Some balls have been dropped and we have not been passing it down with all of the richness so that we can be bold with it and so that we can operate with less fear because it's the truth. You and I are leaders in the Christian community. How do we get people to push past their fear and start having gospel conversations? It's not complicated. No, but I do think it's hard to talk about a Jesus you don't know yourself. And it's hard to convince people that Jesus is all you need when you're not convinced of it. 
So I do believe a lot of discipleship needs to happen. We spend time really discipling women on their own walk in Jesus and then helping them understand that having gospel conversations is not because you are a seminarian. Like you don't have to be even like with discipleship. We say, we just want you to disciple somebody who's not as far along on the walk as you. You don't have to be miles ahead of them. You just need to be on the journey. The same thing, I think, with evangelism. We probably hype it up to believe that we need to be much more than we really need to be. We just need to be Christians. We need to know Jesus and to be devoted to him ourselves and let that be the authentic thing we spill to the person that we're running into. When you talk to someone who's in your community, girl, yeah, I understand. Girl, they need to fix these buildings. We have needs. Let me tell you what y'all need. We need Jesus. And let me explain what he's done for me. And I think when we begin to make it authentically who we are, it begins to spill out anyway. It all hinges on going beyond our Christian bubble. Yes. Yes. And we said earlier in another conversation that so many of us (laughs) will come to the marathon and have never practiced running one before, right? Mm -hmm. So you're like, you know, one is going to show up for a race that you haven't been prepared for. Or else you know this is not going to go well. <laughs> Everyone is going to ask you, why are you doing this? And yet, <laughs> I do not have that dream. And whatever a runner's high is, I have never hit it. So I just don't. <laughs> it's just not my thing. <laughs> but I do think that we are not showing up prepared. I think that those of us who recognize that the mission that God has sent us on is not dispensable. We have to be bold enough to not only be out on mission, but to be dragging people with us. I told my husband, I feel like we need revival. I feel like Mm. we need revival. But you know, that doesn't start with us. That starts with the spirit. So we need to be diligent in doing what we need to do. Misty, I'm going to wrap up by asking you two questions. Okay. We're a few weeks out from Easter. What would you challenge Christ followers to do in preparation for Easter? Uh, based on the things that we've talked about, what would you say to us to get beyond our fear, to have a gospel conversation? One of my things is reminding myself to stay sensitive to the cross. What that actually meant. You know, when you think of the passion and you think of a person being beaten and slaughtered for you, right? You just, or just what Jesus went through for us. Jesus in his humanity experienced fear. Jesus in his humanity experienced, (laughs) I'm sure, apprehension. Lord, why? If you will, take this cup from me. I'll be okay with it if I don't have to go through this. But yet he understood that there was a goal on the other end. And so I would challenge people in this season of Easter when we're focusing on this huge sacrifice to think about what it would mean. What is our response to that sacrifice? Mm -hmm. What is our response? What is our reasonable act of worship? I think sharing the good news is one of those things. And I think pushing past the very thing that would make us most afraid for the sake of what was on the other side, exactly what Jesus did, is a reasonable step towards that thing. And I know, as crazy as it sounds, the things that we're most afraid of, often when we do them once, they become less and less scary. And the more we do them, the less we almost look at ourselves like, this is what I was afraid of. I do think Personality shouldn't be a barrier. Age should not be a barrier. Eloquence should not be a barrier. But then also, I do think in this season of Easter, I do think that we should be really taking time to beef up our spiritual disciplines 
Because the more you're spending time in prayer with Jesus and the more you're spending time in God's word and the those things are being brought back to you, even in conversations, the less anxiety you'll have in sharing those things with other people because you've been soaking at the Savior's mm -hmm. feet and he's going to give you the words. Often I say, don't let them hear Missy. Let them hear you. All the words be you, Lord. And that way, if it, if it sounds crazy, I can just be like, it was the Lord. I don't know. You know? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Lord, hide me behind you in this conversation. Yes. And one last question. As we think about the theme United for the week of prayer for North American missions and for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, what would you say to your brothers and sisters of Christ across the Southern Baptist Convention to challenge us to be united? What word would you have for us? The church is already diverse. It's already interracial, it's already multi-ethnic, it's already those things. So now that we know that we can walk in what that is, now let's just run hard together. Let's overcome the complexities, the fear, the, um, I don't know, all the things, and let's just go do it. That's part of my personality, I will say. Some people strategize, I'm like, let's go do it. <laughs> So, yeah, I believe we can do the work. I believe it's not beyond our ability to be united. Missy, I've known you all of four hours. Yes. We met at breakfast this morning, yes. and I feel like I've known you for my whole life. I feel I like I want to know you for my whole life. Agreed, agreed. I'm so glad to have met you this morning. It's been great. Missy, thank you for taking time to sit down and talk to me about what's on your heart. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I agree with Missy. We all need to work on spiritual disciplines and let's run hard together. At AnnieArmstrong.com, I read there are 366 million people in North America and an estimated 275 million are lost. We need to be united for the sake of the gospel. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.